my shoes and out the door. Five, I'm alive, six, seven, eight, feeling Hello, BYWG Tribe. Here's a quick peek at our supplement, product, and book of the month for January. Yes, I said January 2020. At the end of the podcast, I will spend a few minutes going into further detail, so we encourage you to listen to the end. The supplement of the month for January 2020 is Bone Health Plus. Simply said, we have not found a more complete bone health formula on the market, period. The 10% discount code for the month is lowercase b-o-n-e-h-e-a-l-t-h that's bone health the product of the month for january is one calorie zero sugar 40 nutrients keto vegan paleo non-gmo energy bits 20 percent off forever using the code b-y-w-g and that's upper or lowercase the book of the month for january is stop doing that s-h-b-t End Self-Sabotage and Demand Your Life Back by Gary John Bishop. Keep in mind, all the links, discount codes, and special offers for the product, supplement, and book will be listed in the show notes on iTunes, post on the social media, and on our website and weekly newsletter at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. I'm your co-host today, Dr. Mike Akinfora, and I have a really unique interview today. Today I have with us John Butcher, who is the founder of LifeBook, and I'm going to read John's bio before we get into the interview, and then I'm going to give you a little background on this. So John Butcher is chairman of the Precious Moments family of companies, founder of LifeBook, and co-founder of Purity Coffee, and a dozen other companies organized around causes that matter. John is an artist, musician, producer, 12 full-length albums, and seven children's TV shows, an entrepreneur with 19 companies ranging from children's books to wallpaper manufacturing. John's life is centered around his relationship with his wife, Missy, their four children, and their work. John and Missy are passionate about world travel, fine wine, beautiful homes, contemporary art, and capitalism. Their purpose on this planet is to create the highest possible quality of life for themselves and the people they love while helping others around them do the same. LifeBook is the coolest, hippest, and quite possibly the most powerful concept ever in personal development. It is a complete life development system for creating your very best life. During the program, you're guided step-by-step step as you define your very best future, create a detailed plan to accomplish it, then implement your plan inside an accountability system with all the tools, support, and guidance you need. Unprecedented in its width, depth, and aesthetics, LifeBook is a completely new paradigm in the self-improvement world. So, why is this interview so unique? There's a couple of reasons. Number one, I actually don't do the interview. John Sudden Jordan does the interview. And the reason is, John is a very private guy who really doesn't do interviews. You cannot believe how excited I was to have John on the program. Let me explain to you about LifeBook a little bit. Here's some here's some background to all this. So I have been setting goals since I was 15 to be on the all-star team for uh, baseball. And I've been writing them down since I was 18. But LifeBook was the first time in my life that it was broken down into 12 categories. And 
also within each category was a premise, vision, purpose, and strategy for achieving the best life possible. Now, with my partners, Dr. Noah DeCoya and Dr. Wanda Lee McPhee, you know the mission of Beyond Your Wildest Genes is to educate and empower and inspire our community. This is why we want to share LifeBook with our community, because it had that great an impact on us that our spouses actually went through the program as well. So from that point forward, my life changed dramatically. Once you put this stuff pen to paper, it takes on energy, and that is a life of its own. And I have, over the years, maintained my life book, and I look at it, and I update it, and it has truly been a life-changing experience, and this is why we want to share it with you. Now, at the end of the interview, I will give you, and it will be included in the show notes, the information if you're interested, and I highly recommend that you go to the site take a look at LifeBook, and I really believe the message that John lays out for you will resonate with you. And I hope to see you go through LifeBook and tell us about your experience. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Jordan River, and I'm here with founder of LifeBook, John Butcher. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here, and I want to do a shout out to Dr. Michael, Dr. Noah, and Wanda Lee from Beyond Your Wildest Genes. We love you guys. We love what you're doing, and uh, we're really excited to record this podcast for you today. Absolutely. Well, LifeBook is a transformational personal development program, unlike anything else in the personal development world. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you tell us the main focus of the LifeBook process? Sure. At LifeBook, we deeply explore the 12 most important categories of your life. So we've we've broken the entire human life experience up into to 12 different areas, your health and fitness, your love relationship, your career, your financial life, etc. And at LifeBook, we help you think deeply about these 12 areas, define what you want in each of them, like clearly like get a clear vision for each category and then help you figure out how to get what you want in each of these these areas so we've been researching and studying the 12 life categories for almost 25 years now about 23 or so and we've been collecting data on them from thousands and thousands of people for more than a decade so you know we've helped a lot of people really figure their life out and we've learned a lot about these 12 categories I've seen that. I've seen that with the people going through LifeBook, man. It really is amazing. Thank you. Well, you want to run through the categories just real quick? Yes, I'd like to do that. And today what I want to talk about is I want to share the single most important thing that we've learned in our 25 years of research, study, and experience in each of the 12 life categories. So you can consider these success secrets or um, the equations of success or the most important principles. But what I want to do is take you through 
the most important things that we've learned, the most important things that you need to know, the most important things you need to do in order to create an extraordinary life for yourself. If you're able to master these 12 principles, and they're relatively simple, some of them are a little bit more difficult than others, but they're, they're, they're pretty easy to wrap your head around. If you're able to master these principles, these equations, you'll automatically have an amazing life. Easier said than done, of course. And we gotta work, we gotta work hard on these things. And the other side of it is if you fall short in any of these areas, it can derail your entire life. What we've learned about the 12 categories is these are not electives. They're all mandatory to living a great life. So let me just give you an example. You can have your life just firing on all cylinders except your health and fitness, you know? And uh, say you're 100 pounds overweight or you're a smoker and you've, you're jacked up in, 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 this, in this area. Well, that derails your entire life. You can have everything working really, really well in your life, but have a, a compromised love relationship that can create a tremendous amount of pain for you and your children and, and you know, all the people around you. Well, that's the cliche is the successful businessman who doesn't have time for his wife and kids. That's exactly right. Now, on the other hand, you can have a great relationship with your wife. You can have your health and fitness completely dialed in and have your financial life be a wreck. And so you have to live sort of in lack and uh, scarcity all your life. That's no way to live either. So what we've learned about these 12 categories, you know, fundamentally is they are all mandatory. None of them can be left behind or left to chance. They've all got to be handled. So uh, Lifebook is really the how to do life book. That's what we do is help people really think through a vision for their entire life in every important area. That's great. Well, let's explore those 12 areas, man. You uh, ready to get started? I'm ready to get started. Okay. Okay, here we go. So we're going to start with health and fitness. That's the first category that we uh, that we explore in Lifebook. And I know this is a category that Michael's audience is familiar with. Now, if there's anything that characterizes the world of health and fitness, it's that it can be very complex and confusing in the 21st century. There's so much noise out there. There are so many contradictory points of view from the experts right you know nobody agrees on anything really out there it's it's information overload and as a result many people are just overwhelmed in this category they have a hard time figuring out how to navigate this incredibly important area of their of their lives so it might come as a little bit of a surprise to learn that the fundamental equation for your health and fitness is actually simple and here's what it is. What you put into your body consistently plus how you use your body consistently equals your level of health and fitness generally. Mm -hmm. Two things to focus on. So let's start with what you put into your body. You know, most people view food as, you know, pleasure. They, they view they, they, what they care about is taste, right? And that's the whole primary thing. Every meal has to be this, you know, epic, sensual experience. But what the best way to look at food, if you want to be really healthy, is food is your medicine and food is your fuel. Mm -hmm. So you got to learn the difference between what's good to put into your body and what's not good to put into your body. And you want to maximize the good and minimize the bad. If you don't know the difference, you got to learn the difference. So that's first. And then food as fuel, the primary thing you want to focus on here 
is balancing what you consume with what you burn. If you are able to relatively balance what you consume with what you burn, you're not going to have a lot of waste on your body. And if you can't balance relatively what you consume with what you burn, you're going to get into trouble. So that's the first component, what you put into your body consistently. Second component, how to use your body. You got to exercise, period. You just, you got to exercise, use it or lose it. You need to sweat. That's how you clean your body's largest organ, which is your skin. You've got to get your heart rate up, exercise that muscle, that incredibly important muscle. You got to stretch. You've got to make your body strong. Mm -hmm. And you've also got to get good rest. Oh, that's hugely overlooked in today's society. So true. We don't teach our kids about it. That's right. We don't we don't do anything when it comes to sleep. It's, it's yeah. like you're weak if you're taking a nap. It's like a sign of weakness, <laughs> but in reality, it's great for our brains. Oh, it's 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 great for everything. You've got to to uh, alternate activity with rest and, and rejuvenation. So you may need to learn some sleep strategies. So at the end of the day, you know, there are a million other things we could focus on in health and fitness and chiropractic is one of them. Chiropractic is so incredibly important, but fundamentally you're on a desert island and you gotta, you gotta figure out how to, how to live in a healthy way. What you put into your body plus how you use your body consistently will equal your level of health and fitness. And for, for most people, for most people, this will allow them to take control of their health and fitness at a pretty high level. It's about 80 to 90% of the game. So that's the fundamental equation in this category. That makes sense. And I like how health and fitness is category number one. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Everything's based on it. That's the bottom of the pyramid. I like that a lot. That's exactly right. That's your that's your foundation. Well, let's move on to the second category. Uh, it is intellectual life. That's correct. Your intellectual life. So the fundamental premise here is that as human beings, our minds are our basic tool of survival. It's our ability to think that keeps us alive and defines us as a species. And individually, our ability to think is going to determine how high we rise as individuals. I mean, our minds is what it is with human beings. Everything in our civilization began with a thought. Every great work of art began with a thought. Every building every invention, and in the exact same way, everything in our lives as individuals began with a thought. The career we chose, the, our, our choice of spouse, the school we went to, everything begins with a thought. So your thoughts are creative, your thoughts are causative, your thoughts expand and create your life. Now most people live their lives with their thoughts on autopilot. They don't take control of the process, they just, they you know... Kind of um, react. Exactly. React. As a result, their lives sort of unfold by, by chance, sort of randomly. The big thought in this category is this. If you take control of your thinking, you take control of your world. If you take control of your thinking, you take control of your, your world. And the way to do that is, first of all, you need to choose to think because thinking is a choice. Thinking doesn't happen automatically. In just about any situation, you can choose to think about it, or you can choose just not to bother, you know, to ignore it or to just completely blank out, right? You can make your consciousness brighter or dimmer when it comes to any subject. Well, that's an incredibly interesting responsibility that nature's given us, right? Thinking is an act of volition. Secondly, you need to choose what to think about and how to think about it. So, 
thoughts become things. Thoughts are very, very powerful. They expand and create your life. And, and the attitude that you bring to your thinking is so incredibly important. It's one of the most important things that we've learned over the last 25 years about the intellectual category. And I love the Henry Ford quote, if you think you can't, or if you think you can, you're probably right. Wow. Killer quote. Yeah, that's powerful. And how does that work? Well, here's how it works. If you think you can do something, mm -hmm. you're going to see opportunities. You're going to believe that you can do it, and your brain is going to be on the lookout for opportunities to take advantage of, and you're probably going to make progress. You're probably going to move forward. You think you can't? What you're going to see is obstacles. You're going to see challenges. You're going to expect them. You're going to be ready for them. And you probably won't move in the situation. You probably won't progress. Well, we're talking about the exact same situation, different thought process, completely different result just because of the way that you think. And of course, then you multiply that times every situation every day of your life and you end up with a completely different life if you bring positivity versus negativity, if you, if you bring a can-do attitude versus a can't-do attitude. Now, there are no guarantees on anything in life. There's no guarantees on success or happiness or fulfillment or anything else, right? There's, there's no, like, magic formula. This isn't a guarantee that if you, you know, think about getting, getting rich, you're going to win the lottery. But this much is certain. If you take control of your thinking, if you begin thinking deliberately and guiding your thoughts and actions toward a clearly defined vision for your life, it is absolutely, no doubt, going to stack the deck in your favor. Definitely. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And I'll just say that Lifebook is one of the best tools that you can have to take control of your thoughts. Because what Lifebook helps you do is, is think down your entire life. Really get clear on what you want so you can hold that in the forefront of your mind. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, and it's a perfect category number two because that is literally – it's almost like category two is Lifebook's first step. Consciously thinking, deciding to think. That's, that's, where, that's where Lifebook begins. That's exactly right, Jordan. Lifebook is an intellectual process. Mm -hmm. you, so you nailed that on the head. It is an intellectual process. You're bringing a tremendous amount of thinking and consciousness to your entire life and really dialing in the kind of existence you want to have as a human being. That's great. That's great stuff. Well, category three is emotional life, obviously also very important. Can totally. you tell us, tell us a little bit about that? Okay, well, let's start with a definition of, of emotions. We consider emotions at Lifebook, we consider emotions body wisdom. Emotions are signals from deep inside of us, and they come up in, in response to some aspect of reality. They're, they're basically non-intellectual internal evaluations right? You're, they're automatic evaluations of what's going on around you. Um, and they can be your best friend or they can be your worst enemy. So if you've got emotional intelligence versus if you don't have emotional intelligence, that's just a completely, you know, that's, that's a game changer. So without emotional intelligence, you're at the mercy of your emotions all the time. They can completely sweep you away. Again, just kind of drifting. Exactly. Or worse, they can really take you take you down to a bad place. So what we've learned about emotional intelligence at Lifebook over all these years is it's, it's not something you're born with. It's something that you can develop over time. 
And the great equation for doing that is the following. Emotional insight plus emotional control equals emotional intelligence. Emotional insight plus emotional control equals emotional intelligence. So let's break this down. Emotional insight simply means being in touch with your emotions, being conscious of them, accepting them when they come up as opposed to, you know, trying to ignore them or push them down, Mm -hmm. seeking to understand what they're trying to tell you. Again, they come up in response to some aspect of reality. They're automatic internal evaluations. What are they there for? What are they trying to tell you? Emotional insight entails learning from your emotions when they come up. And then emotional control means the ability to process and release the emotions that you don't want in your life, mm-hmm. like, say, anger, fear, resentment. You don't ignore them or push them down, those negative emotions. You got to listen to them. They're there to tell you something. So you listen to them. You learn from them, you process them, you integrate them, you thank them, and then you release them. Once they've done their job, you don't have to walk around angry and resentful all the time. That's so true. Right? That's so true. And then the other side of emotional control is the ability to generate the positive emotions that you want in your life on a daily basis. So if you want more joy in your life, there are things that make you feel joyful. What are they? Do more of those things. If you want more passion, there are things that make you feel passionate. Find out what they are. There's a recipe for that. You want to be more peaceful, more tranquil. Learn what makes you feel that way. Is it spending time in nature? Is it just reading a book and relaxing? Is it meditation? And do more of that stuff. There is a recipe for every emotional state. And when you understand this, it can be hugely powerful because all of a sudden you can start to generate the emotions that you want to feel on an ongoing basis and release in a healthy way the emotions that you don't want to be part of your life, which, you know, doesn't mean that you're some kind of a superhero robot who can program every aspect of how you feel. It simply means that you've got a healthy relationship with your emotions. You seek to understand them. And you try to get better and better at guiding them consciously so that you're not at their mercy all the the time. You know, they don't sweep you away. Instead, you you treat them as tools of awareness and you've harnessed their power. And that is a big deal. Wow. That is powerful stuff, man. Thank you. The next category is a little bit more abstract. The first three are pretty clear cut. The fourth category is character. Yeah, character. Oh, my God. You know, when I was sitting down uh, really trying to sequence the categories, you know, you you start off by saying health and fitness is the perfect first category. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to get the foundational category first and how these categories are sequenced in the Lifebook program is important because this work builds on itself. You start from the beginning, you go all the way through the end, right? And it builds on itself. There is an argument to be made that character should be the first category because what controls your health and fitness? Good point. Character controls everything in your life. Your character is the sum total of your personality traits. It's your inner nature. It's who you are inside. And that determines how you're going to live outside. So like everything stems from and flows from your character. And just like with your emotional life, we've learned at Lifebook that a good character is definitely not something you're born with. 
A good character has to be nurtured and developed over time. Time is an incredibly important part of the equation for a good character. So the great equation for developing a stellar character comes to us courtesy of Aristotle. Yeah, perfect. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> perfect. One, of the, one of the big guys. And here's what Aristotle said about your character. He said, good character happens when we're able to turn virtues into habits. When we're able to turn virtues into habits. And that's literally the equation in this category. Step one is to choose a virtue. What virtue do you want to literally build into your life? Mm-hmm. Do you want more, you know, self-discipline in your life? Do you want to be a more reliable person? Do you want to be a more compassionate person? Choose the character trait that you want to sort of install into your into your life and then create a habit around it. Because a, a person of good character just doesn't exercise virtues like honesty or integrity or reliability or whatever you want to, you know, build into your life. Sometimes, like you're not a compassionate person if you're like a compassionate person twice a year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, you've got to turn that virtue into a habit and you've got to practice it on an ongoing basis. So what you have to ask yourself is, all right, if I if I choose self-responsibility or, self, or self-discipline as a character trait, how can I practice that on an ongoing basis? Well, can I, you know, maybe maybe my workout is a good opportunity and I'm going to be disciplined about my workout and I'm going to do it every, whatever I, I say I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Or if I want to practice compassion, how can I do that on a daily basis and turn this virtue into a habit? Because if you exercise a virtue over and over and over, it's going to eventually become who you are. And in this way, you can shape and mold yourself into the person that you've consciously chosen to be. And I mean, I mean, that's just about as noble of uh, uh, an objective as a human being can set for themselves, right? That is what Lifebook is. Exactly. That is literally what it is, turning your thoughts into a habitual occurrence. That's exactly right. The first thing you got to do is get conscious of what you want to build into mm-hmm. your life. And then you got to figure out how to do it. Benjamin Franklin actually had a, a really cool system. He defined 13 virtues that he wanted to build into his life. He, he's, he's famous for this. And he had a little book of these 13 virtues and it was like a little diary. And he would, he would just go down the list and, and practice one virtue every single day. Today I'm going to practice temperance. Today I'm going to practice, you know, I forget what they what they are. Mm-hmm. I, but but literally he would like practice yeah. every one of the 13 over 13 days and then start over at the top of the list. He did that for years. It's like a religion. It's exactly. like a religious. And that's a good segue uh, into the next category. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> category Which is your, number, your spiritual life. Yeah, number five, all important number five. And this is one that I didn't struggle with, but it was really profound to have to sit down and think hard about it. You mean in, in Lifebook when you went through Lifebook? Yes, when I went through the Lifebook program. Yeah, this one's tough, Jordan. This one doesn't behave like the other categories. This one has, has been a little bit difficult for me over the years to really, uh, I don't want to use the term pin down, but spirituality is, it's different than the other categories in that 
you know, it's been acknowledged in one way or another by every culture in human history. Humans have been talking about spirituality and writing about it for thousands of years, but it's still very difficult to agree on and to understand exactly what the concept means. Like it means something different to everybody who uses the word um, because spirituality is about the non-material, right? It's about the intangible. It addresses issues that are very hard to put into words. That's why this category is so elusive. It's inherently elusive is exactly what I was just going to say. That's right. And another thing about spirituality is it's deeply personal. So it's, it's, it's about a personal experience. It's different. It means something different to everybody who explores it. Mm -hmm. So no one can hand you a formula for this category. You gotta, you know, go out there and discover it for yeah, yourself. Well, I, I feel there's probably a lot of similarities if you look at people's health and fitness categories of their life books. There's mm -hmm. probably a lot of similar pictures, well, a lot uh, of similar yeah. goals. Spirituality, I'm sure it's a total. All bets are off. Yeah. All bets are off, literally. So the great equation in the spiritual category has to do with receiving and expressing. So it's like. Input and output. There's two very, very clear sides. No matter what your religion is, no matter what your spiritual path is, these two components are always in play. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start the receiving end of the equation with a quote from, who was it who said this? It was Henry David Thoreau. I love this quote. It's so profound. Much more profound than it'll hit you the first time. you got to think about this a little bit. The quote is, only through leisure time can one cultivate the soul's estate. Only through leisure time can one cultivate the soul's estate. And what that means is you can't even feel your soul. You can't even feel your spiritual life if you're on email 24-7 and covered up with stress and nose to the grindstone and, and you know, on the hamster wheel and, and, and just, you know, working and, and stressed out. You can't even feel your spiritual life. You've got to open up some, some open space, some quiet time. You know, the Bible talks about that still small voice. It's a still small voice. You can't hear that still small voice if your life is full of noise. Mm -hmm. Spirituality is about connecting with your spirit. And in order to connect with your spirit, you've got to disconnect from a lot of stuff going on in the material world. So what is that for you? Is it prayer? This is why people go to church. It's, it's, a, it's a chance to break their pattern, to get off of the treadmill, to disconnect, to be around other like-minded people and to to really feel their soul mm -hmm. feel Ex explore their beliefs exactly together. yeah for some people it's it's time in nature for some people it's meditation mm -hmm. what do you need to do to disconnect from the physical world so that you can receive mm -hmm. what is out there for you to receive and really feel your soul and feel your spirit yeah only through leisure time can one cultivate the soul's estate isn't that beautiful? That's a powerful, powerful quote, man. Killer. Life book is full of power. <laughs> it's all about powerfulness. <laughs> Thanks. And and then the other side of that, of course, is expressing your spirit, expressing your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I that's painting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's writing. It's when you're in that flow. For some people, it's dancing. For some people, it's prayer. For you know, 
um, for Michael Jordan, it literally might be playing basketball. Absolutely. That's when he's plugged in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's, you know, it's when that, that basket looks like a hula hoop to him. It's so big and he can just hit. I mean, he is in, he's plugged in and he's expressing himself. So that becomes a, an incredibly important part of the equation too. You just don't sit and listen all the time. You want to do something with that, you know, with that beautiful energy that's coming through you. Chiropractors put their hands on people and heal them. It's that, the, you know, the, the amazing spiritual power coming through them like a conduit mm-hmm. and going into somebody else's body to heal them. That is a spiritual expression as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So those are the two aspects of spirituality, the equation that, that we've found over a lot of years of study is that you've got to quiet yourself enough to receive and then you've got a responsibility to express and to make the, the world a better place. That's great, man. That's great. I feel this next category is maybe the most dynamic. It has the widest range. Love relationships. So people probably come into LifeBook very... Uh, distraught in this category and i bet there are also couples who come into lifebook who are way ahead of the curve on this category am i right about that you're right about that and this is one of the categories that um is a game changer for people who go through lifebook it's true there are a few major i'd say there's probably four or five categories that are the big like transformational categories Mm -hmm. that, that people experience massive growth and movement and breakthrough and this is one of them for sure Mm -hmm. Love relationship is interesting. Um, This category is where the most pain or the most pleasure in your life lives, right? Yeah. If you've got an awesome love relationship, it's going to be your greatest source of pleasure in your entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking from personal experience here. This is our category of strength, my my wife and I. Mm -hmm. Um, if If you have a compromised love relationship... It's where you can experience the most pain. Mm-hmm. That's what we've we've found over the years, and it was it was difficult for me to really zero in on the great equation for this category because there's so much that can be said about it. But at the end of the day, I feel pretty good about defining what I consider to be the absolute fundamental. Um, it's summed up with a quote from Jean-Paul Sartre, who said, in love, one plus one equals one. That's great. Okay, so here's, here's, there's two aspects to it. Here's what extraordinary love relationships re- require. The first thing an extraordinary love relationship requires is two extraordinary people. You can't make anything good without good ingredients, mm-hmm. right? You can't have an extraordinary love relationship if you're a depressed, dysfunctional, miserable human being. It's impossible. You know, you've got to have something to bring to the party. Yes. You've got to be a good person to be in a relationship with. Exactly. See categories one through five. (laughs) You've got it. Those personal categories are so incredibly important, Mm -hmm. right? So... You know, too many people complain about the fact that they they can't find the ideal partner or they're not with the ideal partner. They can't find Mr. Right. They can't find Mrs. Right. Yet they've given very little thought to the challenges of making themselves an ideal partner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're looking for Mr. Right out there, you want you might want to ask yourself, am I Mrs. Right? If you're looking for the perfect woman, you might want to ask yourself, am I the perfect man? Mm -hmm. We have to turn ourselves into what we're hoping to find. 
And that's one of the biggest challenges of romantic love. You have got to bring something to the table. You know, you can't make anything good without good ingredients. You, you can't make good wine without good grapes. You can't have a great sports team without great athletes. And you can't have a great relationship if you are a miserable person. You got to have, you got to be a, a good person to be in a relationship with. Yeah, definitely. So that's the first, the first part. Extraordinary love requires two extraordinary people who then, the second part, commit to creating something great together, creating one great thing. Extraordinary love requires an extraordinary commitment. And I will go as far as to say that I believe that extraordinary love requires each person in the relationship to put the other first. Mm -hmm. I put Missy first and I put her I put her ahead of everything else in my life and she puts me first ahead of everything else in her life. Now it's a little bit hardcore to think about, you know, putting putting your spouse in front of your kids and in front of your career and in front of everything else. Doesn't mean you love your kids any less. Mm -hmm. There you know, the, one of the great things about love is that you can turn it up to 100% and give it to everybody. There's no yeah. There's no bottom to that well, right? Totally. Yeah, right? So you're not taking anything away by, by loving somebody more. But to me, putting Missy first means that her needs must be attended to as my primary responsibility. I put her ahead of my career, and a lot of men don't do that. Mm -hmm. That you is know? a big one. It's Straight just, up. Like what I said earlier, it's the same thing. Exactly. She puts me in front of her children, and a lot of women don't do that. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Jordan, you can tell me whether you agree with this or not. I think it's a wonderful thing for children to see parents doing that. They feel stability. They, they, they see that example being set. They feel safe. I think that's the most important thing a kid can feel. And I've heard that I'm not making that up. This isn't my, that's what I've heard. A secure home between two, with two loving parents. Exactly. It's I basically mean, all they need. There's you know? your foundation. Exactly. There's your foundation. So I'm going to spend just a little bit more time on this than, than most of the categories because this is a super important one. We did a research study at LifeBook, and we identified 20-something couples with um, – that means a total of 20, not couples in their 20s. 20-something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 24 couples participated in this study. Uh -huh. And what we did is we, we went out there with a, with a, a survey and identified, identified LifeBook couples who had what we considered to be an extraordinary relationship, mm. which we defined clearly. And we, we did interviews, we did deep research, we did our introspect assessment on these, these 24 or so couples. And we had a very, very interesting result. There were two pieces of data that were outlier pieces of data, which completely validate what I just said about mm -hmm. extraordinary love relationships. The first piece of data was that of all the 12 life categories, every single one of these, of the people, the individuals in this study, their character category was above their relative mean. It was the only category of all 12 that was above the, the average score in every single participant, which indicates these are great people. Mm -hmm. we're, we're dealing with 24 great individuals here, separate from their love relationship. Right. So that validates the first premise mm -hmm. that extraordinary love requires extraordinary people. And then the second piece of outlier data, I got to say, this even surprised me. I, I was shocked by this, actually. 
if you take a look at the 12 categories, we we um, we quantify what we call the category of strength. So the category that you have the highest score on our introspect assessment is your category of strength. And usually categories of strength are going to be pretty well evenly distributed across the population. In this study, 87.5% of our participants had the same category of strength, which is, that's an outlier piece of data. Mm. That number should be 12, right. 15%. It was 87.5%. The category of strength was life vision. Oh, right. And so here's what that means. That means that these couples were not only extraordinary people, they had spent a tremendous amount of time dialing in their life vision. They knew exactly the kind of life they were trying to create together. They were on the same page. They'd committed to creating this extraordinary love affair. And not only that, but they knew what they wanted in their health and fitness, in their parenting, in their career and financial life. They were in agreement. They'd thought it down. They had created one thing. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, the equation for an extraordinary love relationship is two great people with one singular compelling life vision. And that's the great equation in the love category. That's amazing. And uh, I like hearing that because we will get on to life vision uh, later on, but that's one of my stronger categories. So that makes me, that makes me feel good about myself. So that's <laughs> but for now, let's move on here to category seven is parenting. Okay, so parenting is, is just a phenomenal category. And again, there's so many things that you could say about the parenting category, my goodness. And, you know, everybody sort of has a different version of how they want to raise their kids, but there are certain fundamentals that apply across the board. In this category, there's one thing that stands out above all other things. The example that you set as a human being, not necessarily even as a parent, the example you set as a human being by how you live your life and the kind of person you are is far greater than any parenting strategy that you could ever employ. So there are all kinds of great parenting strategies, important parenting strategies. Research shows one of the most important things for a child to feel is safe. A child needs to have a stable, safe environment. A child needs to feel love. There are a lot of things that go into creating a great environment in which to raise a child. And there are a lot of important strategies like how are you going to educate your, your, your kid? You know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. But one thing eclipses all other things. And that is that the person that you are and the life that you live is everything to your child. You are their world. You are all they see. You are the example of what being a human being means. You are their provider. You are their caregiver. You are everything. They want to be you. You know, they're going to look to not what you say. They're going to look to who you are and what you do. That's what they're around 24 seven. Mm -hmm. So if you smoke, you're giving them permission to smoke. If you're overweight, it doesn't matter what you say about sugar or junk food or being unhealthy. You're giving them permission to be overweight every single day. If you're a courageous person, who steps up to life and who's not afraid to set goals and go after them and they see that, which they will, well, you're giving your child permission to be courageous. Mm -hmm. If you've got a fantastic relationship with your spouse, you're showing them every day what a proper relationship looks like. If you've got a jacked up relationship with your spouse, if you're fighting all the time and constantly full of stress, they're looking at that and thinking, well, that's what a relationship is. Mm -hmm. You are their world. The most important responsibility that we have as parents 
is literally to live great lives and be great people. The best education a kid could ever have is to see their parents living a happy, successful, stable, fulfilling life. So in this category, it's not what we say, it's who we are that will affect our child's lives more than anything else. So again, just like with love relationship, all the life book categories are important here. You know, the most important thing you can do is really get those personal life categories in line, line get your love relationship in line, get your financial life and career in line. And, and then from there, you work on your relationship with your kid and your parenting strategies. Well, that's an important commonality that I see, which is working on yourself. Work on yourself for the love relationship. Work on yourself to be an example for the kids. We do so much finger pointing and externalizing and we need to turn in towards ourselves more often than not. It's called taking responsibility and it puts you in the driver's seat. It puts you in the empowered position. When you're finger pointing, you can't control how other people behave. You can't do anything about that. You're not in charge of that. You're only in charge of yourself. But taking responsibility for yourself, it, you know, going back to character for just a second, self-responsibility is the primary character trait. No question about it. Here's a little bonus, you know, in, in the character category. Taking responsibility is the character trait from which all other character traits flow. Mm -hmm. You deciding that you are going to be the decision maker at the center of your own existence, the primary driving force behind your own life. And of course, that's what Lifebook is all about. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's just keep plowing ahead here. Category number eight. This is one that I struggle with. Or you know what? I used to struggle with. And then, you know, partially thanks to Lifebook, I've really come around in this category. Category eight, your social life. Yeah, you know, this was uh, this was our weakest category too, Missy and I, because we've got lots of kids. We've got, you know, 12 brothers and sisters, 30 nieces and nephews, <laughs> giant family. We run, you know, multiple companies. We've got very busy lives. We we like to spend as much time as we can together, alone together. We're, we're like, you know, really very guarded with our time. Mm -hmm. And um, this category always seemed to be the, the, the low category on the totem pole yeah. for us. And for a lot of years, we didn't bring a whole lot of consciousness to it. Kind of, you know, whoever walked through the front door of our lives became our friends. We didn't have any kind of a conscious strategy until we really started developing our life book and, and, and realizing that this category is hugely important. So the great equation in this category is super simple. And here's what it is. A stellar social life requires that you choose good friends and that you are a good friend. So it focuses on other people that you want to bring into your life and how you relate mm -hmm. to those other people. So on the choose good friends side, you know, you become like your friends. I forget who said it, I, Peter Diamantes or somebody uh, smart, that um, you are the average of the five people that you spend most time, the, the most of your time with. Friendships create a huge gravitational pull. You sink or rise to the level of the people that you spend most time with. It's just the, the case. You know, you spend a lot of time around a bunch of negative people. That just gets on you. It's true. Right? It's totally true. All of a sudden, you find yourself start 
acting like that. I'll never, I'll never forget. I was in my early 20s and I had my first trade show in New York, right? So I, I go to New York to set up this trade show booth and, and you know, I worked the trade show and tore it down. I was in New York for two weeks. By the end of that time, I was a New Yorker. I was like yelling at people. I was, you know, I was, I, I was talking like that. I was moving like that. You just, you, you absorb mm -hmm. the qualities of the people that you, you, you spend time with. Everything's contagious. I think you told me that. Everything's contagious. Yeah, exactly. Everything that you're around. So if you want fantastic friendships that enhance your life and that energize and stimulate and inspire you, you've got to choose people that are like that. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that Missy and I realized probably eight or ten years ago is we we literally went through our contact list and we said we got to delete some friggin' contracts here and contacts. We have to, you know, that doesn't mean we need to read the riot act to people and tell them that they're no longer welcome in our life. It just means maybe let's lose this phone number and, you know, it's just sort of, um, I would say, sort of compassionately mm -hmm. move away a little bit. We had some people in our lives that were not good for us. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And I'm mean, not judging them as wrong. Everybody knows someone in their life like that. That's now. right. And sometimes it's hard. It is. It is. This is a tough thing to do. It doesn't mean that you need to make them wrong and, and make them evil. It just means that you you make a decision that, that you just don't want to spend time with them. It, it, it doesn't need to be a big judgmental thing. It's that you want to put your energy elsewhere. And, and we've done it a couple times consciously going through our contact list and saying, do we really want this person to, to, to be in our life? It doesn't mean you don't take their phone calls. It just means that you don't necessarily actively reach out and you know make dinner appointments or whatever. Yeah, just take a step back. You know? That's right. Yeah, that's good. So we've done that a couple times. We're very, very conscious of who we choose as friends now. Very conscious. And that's made a massive difference. Yeah. Our friends have pushed our lives forward in indescribable ways. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you, just about every best practice we use in our lives in just about any category has come from the lifebook community the amazing people that we've we've uh, you know met over the last 10 years because of this program they've they've added so much richness to our life it's crazy the lifebook community is awesome and what kind of i mean i'm sure this was somewhat intentional but unintentionally happened is they all connect with each other right uh uh interact with each other that's right end up working with each other mm -hmm. professionally yep these are all like sharing best practices mm -hmm. talking about what's working and what's not working supporting each other through hard times it's it's awesome so all of a sudden we've got this incredible social network that we never that we never had before and we've realized the value of this category mm -hmm. and then the other side of it is that you got to be a good friend Friendships require energy, period. You know, you, you, you can't have a great friendship if you're never going to put time in it. My uh, friend Devers Brandon says that the minimum requirement for a, for a good friendship is two dinners per year. <laughs> like a, you're, you're like, you know, you're lousy. You're a lousy friend if you don't if you don't do at least that. Yeah, totally. All right, moving ahead here, and this makes sense. Building off a of social, you you really put a lot of time into organizing. Category nine, your financial life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, financial is a wonderful category. I think a lot of people have a lot of conflicting feelings and beliefs about this category. That you know, because I th I feel like the way that we're we're taught, you know, that 
money or the love of money is the root of all evil, the way rich people are viewed in our society as having sort of, you know, hurt people on the way to the top or taken advantage of people. I feel that from a very young age, um, the beliefs that we have around money that deeply permeate our society represent a major emotional hurdle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They gotta they gotta get over some of their disempowering and frankly incorrect beliefs around money in order to just get to ground zero to, to be able to start building their financial life. I mean, to claim that the love of anything, that loving anything is the very root of evil, that's a that's a frightening assertion, it especially is. in the mind of a child. And that's when we're taught it. It's when we're kids, right? It's very confusing. It twists you all up. And then it does. You have to undo all that when you become an adult. Right. You know, the, the, the weird thing is that a lot of people view money as the root of all evil, but just about everybody wants more money. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so... I think that the great equation in this category, when you really understand where wealth comes from, which most people don't, and what money actually is, which most people don't, and this, by the way, is, I think, the single most profound category of life book. It's the, it's, it's the category where possibly the most transformation happens mm. in this program. The great equation in this category is creating value for others inside of a financial model that works is how to create abundance for yourself. Mm -hmm. So people can cheat, people can steal, people can be parasites and, and they can get money that way. But the bottom line is that at some point, all wealth is created by producers, Mm -hmm. producers who created a product or a service that makes people's lives better or safer or easier. Something that creates value for the people around them. Mm -hmm. Before you can have a stock that you can short and you can have options on and you can trade and you can circulate, before that whole world is even possible, somebody had to start the company that sells the product that people want and need that makes their lives better and creates value for people. That's where all wealth comes from is human beings creating value for others, period. That is the fundamental of wealth that most people don't realize. So creating values, creating value for others inside of a financial model that works for you. So I've, I've, I've done probably, let's see, I've started at least 20 companies in my life. I've had big successes, I've had big failures, and I've had everything in between. And I've had the experience sometimes where I've created a company that's created a product or a service that's, that creates a tremendous amount of value for the people around me. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't have the, the financial model wired, it didn't create abundance for me. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure that, that not only do you create value for other people, but that you, at the end of the day, have something left for you. To, to reward you mm-hmm. what you deserve for creating that value for other people. A fair price, like you said, that's right. what you deserve. That's exactly right. So that's the fundamental equation for your financial life. Mm-hmm. You want to get rich? Create as much value as you can for the people around you and do it in a way that rewards you at the same time. The number of people you serve times the amount of value you create for them will come back to you if you just make sure that you've got that financial model in place that rewards you for your hard effort. The financial category, in my mind, is very, very tied to spirituality because in order to 
create the most value in the world, you've got to understand what your talents are. You've got to understand what your purpose in life is. You've got to reach down in your soul and find out what were you put here to do? What's the best and highest use of you? And then how can you express that in the world for the benefit of the people around you and yourself? That's how the, how it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the, those two categories, financial and, and spiritual, are very, very closely tied yeah. together for me. Well, you know what else is closely tied to financial is category 10, <laughs> That's career. Right. Career, yep. is, career is huge. Yes. Well, career is how you turn on your financial life, right? Career is how you define yourself. What do you do? Well, that's true. What are you? Uh, it's it's interesting. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> exactly. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a personal development dude. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a CEO. Whatever it is, you know. Yeah. We in our society, we spend so many hours doing our career that people literally refer to it as what we do. Yeah, they do a lot of things. Yeah, I do a lot of different <laughs> stuff, man. I like to cook. I, I work like, out. I like to hang out with my cat. Like <laughs> exactly. So here's the great equation in in career and this is kind of cliche it's kind of simple and everybody knows it but it doesn't make it any less profound what you want to do with your career to have a to have a incredibly fulfilling rewarding career is you want to choose work that you love and you want to choose work that you're good at mm-hmm. that's it so if you choose work that you love you're going to want to spend time doing it which is going to make you good at it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you choose work that you're good at, you're going to be successful doing it. So the the uh, combination, the, the equation for creating a successful career is to choose work that you love and you're passionate about and choose work that you are good at. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to have a financially successful career. That's a different story. In order to, to have a financially successful career, you've got to hook up work that you love and that you're good at with the financial equation of create value for others and do it inside of a financial model that works. Mm -hmm. So if you want the whole package, you will figure out how to do work that you love, that you're good at, that creates a tremendous amount of value for others and that is done inside of a financial model that works for you. That's the career and financial package that is absolutely the magical formula for abundance. It's awesome. Well, let me see here. A podcaster, I got it. Good at it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, okay. Oh, financial model. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to hook that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's powerful stuff, man. I love it. Oh, thank you. I love it. We're almost, we're coming to a close here, actually. Category 11. And this one's a little bit abstract, too. Quality of life. Quality of life is abstract. Um, How we define your quality of life in Lifebook is, first and foremost, it's the other 11 categories that we just went over, right? If, If your health and fitness is highly compromised, how much of a quality of life can you have? If your love relationship is jacked up, you know, or if you haven't ever been able to figure out how to create financial abundance for yourself, your quality of life is compromised. So we have to assume that you've got the other 11 life book categories relatively in line before we even go into the quality of life category. But then once you've attended to the other 11 categories that we've just covered, quality of life really entails the things that you want in your life. You know, I, I collect art. I collect wine. I, I, I'm passionate about contemporary art. Um, I, I love nice things. I love quality things. It has to do with the environment that you surround yourself by, your home, 
how nice is your home? How much do you love being in the environment that you've created for yourself? And the experiences that you want in your life, world travel or, you know, cultural experiences like going to plays and things like that. That's what we focus on at Lifebook. And, 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 you know, I think, Jordan, that one of the challenges that we run into is a lot of people have a lot of guilt around having nice things. They have emotional sort of dissonance. Yeah. Right? Around around driving a nice car and living in a nice home and, and and spending the money that they have earned that they deserve on things that are nice for them. Yeah, it's true. So one of the things that we really try to do is is we try to help people. We try to, you know, get people to give themselves permission to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Well, that's a good point you just said there. That's kind of what it seems. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like quality of life is what we're working towards. Exactly. We're working towards that vacation 100%. to go see that play. You got it. What we say in Lifebook is quality of life is what it all adds up to. Exactly. Your quality of life is the barometer of how well you're doing in all the life categories. That's a good point. And this is one of my absolute favorite categories. You know, this is this it's is a fun one. This it's is the a fun, fun one. one. <laughs> it's the reward at the end of the day for yeah. working so hard on ourselves. So for for me, the most important thing is to give yourself permission to surround yourself with nice nice things, mm-hmm. to have a beautiful home, to set it up just the way you want it, to to have amazing experiences with people you love. What are we here for? If we're not here to enjoy ourselves and make the world a better place for the for the people around us, yeah, totally. It doesn't mean it's selfish. The quality of your life that doesn't that's not a selfish thing at all. You know that quality is is for everyone. I'd go so far as to say, well, I'm not going to put this on everybody, but here's the way I feel about it. I have a moral responsibility to live the best possible quality of life that I can I like for that. myself and, and, and the people that I love. The bottom line is I was given the gift of life. I need to take this amazing gift that I've been given and live it to its fullest. Yeah. I want people to look at me and how I live and, and I want that to be an inspiration. That's That would make me very, very proud if I could help inspire other people to live better, to make the world a better place by doing so. So I think that's the most important thing in this category that we've run into is trying to smooth out the resistance to living a high quality of life. And once you do that, you got the other 11 categories in place, you just flow right into an incredibly enjoyable experience. That's huge. All right, we're wrapping it up here. Number 12. I like this one. This is what Lifebook's all about. It's life vision. That's right. Well, you know, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Mm. And after we've gone deep into the 11 categories of Lifebook and explored, you know, our fundamental beliefs in each category, explored precisely with clarity what we want in each of these categories of our lives, why we want it, what's the purpose behind our desires, and what our strategy is, exactly what we need to do to make that happen in our lives, to bring that into our lives across 12 categories. What we do next is a really interesting exercise where we, t- we, we take all of those desires that we've just defined and we ask ourselves, okay, what does all of it add up to? 
What does it all look like? What does that life look like? What is my life vision? What precisely kind of a life do I want to be living five years from now? If everything that I just wrote in my life book came true, if I'm able to bring all of that into reality, how does that look five years from now? And what we found is that that is your North Star. That is your guiding light. You, you, you have to do all the work in the 11 categories even to be able to get there in the first place. But once you get there and you can bring it all together and you go through this exercise of defining exactly what your life looks like five years from now, now you've got the plan. You've got the North Star. You've got, you know, where, you, where your compass is is headed north. And yeah, you'll, you might drift from time to time, but you can always come back to center. Mm-hmm. And what that does, Jordan, is a really, really interesting thing. What it does is it allows you to transcend making decisions in your everyday life from the standpoint of pleasure and pain, which is how, you know, all the other animals on this planet make their decision. It's the Pavlov's dog thing. It's it's pleasure and pain. Mm -hmm. So... Instead of, you know, the meal that I'm getting ready to eat, it's going to be all about short-term pleasure. Mm -hmm. I can transcend that now because I know exactly the kind of life that I want to live. And that that life vision is so compelling. And the gravitational pull of that is so powerful to me that I'm willing to sacrifice a little pleasure in the moment for that long-term joy and fulfillment of the life that I'm creating on this planet. And that goes for how you treat your spouse, that goes for how you raise your children, that goes for how you work out every day for your level of health and fitness. When you've got this crystal clear, compelling life vision that's pulling you forward, you can literally transcend the pain-pleasure response and live at a completely different level than most people around you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're on a different program. You know exactly what it is that you're trying to create in your life. That is a huge life lesson that most people probably never learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people are tossed around wherever the tide of life happens to take them. They don't have a clear vision for their life. They don't know. You know, it's interesting. It's like uh, there is a there's a passage from Alice in Wonderland that I love. It's when the Cheshire Cat is talking to Alice and uh or alice is talking to the cheshire cat and she says to him he's sitting up in the tree i'll never forget this i love that book she says cheshire cat can you please tell me where i ought to go from here and he says well that depends a good deal on where you want to get to and she says well i don't much care where i get to and he says well then it doesn't matter which way you go and she says but i want to get somewhere and he says, well, you're sure to do that if you walk long enough. Wow. <laughs> and that sums up how most people live their lives. It's true. They just they don't have a roadmap. They don't know. They don't have any clear, compelling vision for their life. Which is why they need Lifebook. That's why <laughs> they need Lifebook. I want to say this before we go. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to come out and say this, but it's true. <laughs> Lifebook has saved marriages. Mm-hmm. It may have saved lives. It's saved oh. health and fitness, probably saved lives. For sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's brought people out of spiritual crisis. It's allowed people who were very successful just to get their stuff in order. You know, here's the, here's the thing about life book. You can't bring this much consciousness to your life 
and not transform. Mm -hmm. You you can't think this deeply about every aspect of your life and not shake something loose somewhere that gives you that big breakthrough that you've been looking for and, and just opens up the path to the life that you know you should be living but have never been able to reach and the person that you know you should become but have never quite gotten there. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, you're right, Jordan. And it's not, you know, it's not any magical formula. Everybody has this inside of themselves. Lifebook is not some magical magical thing. What it does is it helps each individual person really think through the life that they want to live on this planet, the person that they want to become, and design their own unique recipe for getting there. And I just, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm just so incredibly grateful and appreciative that this came through me uh, and the, that I was chosen to bring this yeah. to the world. I, I'm eternally grateful and humbled for that good man you should be you, you should be it's very powerful what you did it's helped a lot of lives it saved lives like i said everybody can get something out of lifebook thank you yeah. well one of the things i think about lifebook that is is so authentic and and unique is that missy and i had our life book for almost 15 years before we ever showed it to anybody. We invented this for us. We used this as a tool for over a decade to create our extraordinary life. And it was amazing. And it was, you know, it wasn't until 12 or, or 14 years after we started this process um, that we realized, holy cow, mm -hmm. this is something that could help a lot of people. You know, a few of my friends asked me to, um, you know, if I could help them make one of these amazing books. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Come on over for a weekend. Let's yeah. let's find out. And from the very first time that we ever shared this with anybody, it was it was it was absolutely miraculous. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I couldn't be more more grateful and honored to um, to have brought this to the world. Well, thank you for coming in today, man. I appreciate it, and I know the listeners appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Jordan. We're going to wrap this up, guys. Thank you for listening so much. So you guys can go to mylifebook.com, see what's up there. You really want to check it out. It's really worth checking out. Thanks for coming in today, man. Thank you again, Jordan. Nice to be with you. Goodbye, everybody. This is Jordan River and John Butcher signing off, saying take care, everybody. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I did. I want to thank John and Jordan for sharing with our community. I'm very grateful for them both taking the time out to share Lifebook. Uh, as for myself, again, Lifebook was a pivotal element in changing the way I did things. And I am grateful for John sharing this with the world. I highly recommend that you check it out. You could check it out at mylifebook.com. John has been gracious enough to extend a discount to our listeners. And you just put in capital C, capital E, capital E, that's C E E for the discount code of $300 off the program. Thank you again, John. And if you folks would be so kind and do us a huge favor, if you like what you heard, please go to iTunes and leave a review.
It helps us to help you. And please share this with your friends and family. Okay, everybody. This is Dr. Mike Akinfor. Ciao. It's Dr. Noah, and I'm back. I suspect you loved listening to this week's podcast release. We really wanted to introduce you all to an incredible author and one of BYWG's favorite, Gary John Bishop, author of the New York Times bestseller, Un-F-U, Beep, K Yourself. His newest book is awesome, and we selected it as our January 2020 Book of the Month to start the year off with a bang. The book's title is Stop Doing That S-H-B-P-T and Self-Sabotage and Demand Your Life Back. Our product of the month is another worthy repeat, Energy Bits. I have interviewed the CEO, Catherine Arniston, twice on the BYWG podcast, with the latest being released in early January 2020. She's an absolute world-class educator and passionate about algae. Energy bits are either spirulina or chlorella or a 50-50 combination of both in one calorie tabs that have zero sugar, 40 nutrients, are keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, vegan-friendly, and non-GMO. They come in 1,000 tab bags or easy-to-use 30-count single servings. You can pick them up at www.energybits.com, and if you use the code BYWG, either lower or uppercase, you will receive 20% off your orders forever. The supplement of the month for January 2020 is BYWG's Bone Health Plus. As chiropractors, our patients share their bone density tests with us quite often, and we can attest to the incredible number of patients who have either osteopenia or osteoporosis. This formulation was a no-brainer. Calcium is simply not enough. This formulation has calcium, magnesium, vitamin D3, K2, boron, silica, copper, and more all the big players and all the micronutrients to build and rebuild strong, healthy bones. You can check out the spec sheet and the research articles at our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com. The 10% discount code for the month of January is all lowercase bone health, B-O-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H. Thank you for listening and be awesome and never unawesome.